0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of Saint Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the Prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of Saint Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vilde. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris.
0: We continue in the journey of learning more about the life of St. Benedict.
1: Yes. We looked already at his journey, the first steps he had to do. He studied in Rome. He found the city disgusting in the study, so he retired from there, went away, and actually he went away from the will of his father, from his father's desire to study and to live there and to make a career. No, he said, in prayer he learned, I have rather to follow God the Father. So he went away, and his nurse accompanied him, but then at a certain point she made a mistake, and uh, a sieve, a tray, uh, dropped from the table, and he in his Innocence and purity prayed over it, and caused a miracle. So the sif was uh, was whole again, and everybody came and praised Benedict. Look, that is his first miracle, and everybody was amazed. And but then he found, hmm, I don't like this amazement. I don't want to have this praise from the world. I rather want to seek God in solitude. So he went away from his nurse. That was kind of the second step of letting go, not only the fatherly ram, but also uh, the maternal side. He sneaked away actually secretly uh, because he didn't want to, to hurt his nurse because she was so loving. So this is where we are at the moment in, in our journey. And I would like to read the nec- next passage. At Subiaco, Benedict made his home in a narrow cave and for three years remained concealed there unknown to anyone except the monk Romanus who lived in a monastery close by under the rule of Abbot Deodatus. With fatherly concern, this monk regularly set aside as much bread as he could from his own portion. Then, from time to time, unnoticed by his abbot, he left the monastery long enough to take the bread to Benedict. There was no path leading from the monastery down to his cave on account of a cliff that rose directly over it. To reach him, Romanus had to tie the bread on the end of a long rope and lower it over the cliff a little bell attached to the rope let Benedict know when the bread was there and he would come out to get it. The ancient enemy of mankind grew envious of the kindness shown by the older monk in supplying Benedict with food and one day as the bread was being lowered he threw a stone at the bell and broke it. Yet in spite of this, Romanus kept on with his faithful service. We see Benedict here in the cave, a very formative time for his life. We could call it the novitiate of Benedict. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be with God alone, not directed by the father, not directed by the mother, not taken care of by the earthly father and mother, just be taken care of by God. God and nobody else. This is what a novice is about, you know, he wants to experience God fully, entirely. And then there was this wonderful monk, Romanus, who was kind of disobedient, interesting. He was, this is what we call creative disobedience. So he went away from his monastery in order to supply Benedict and but it was for the sake of benedict and 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 the kingdom of god so he brought him something to eat and he had this very discreet and nice way uh, he lowered this this basket with spaghetti or i don't know what (laughs) what benedict uh, uh, wanted to eat or what romanus would send him to eat and then there was this little bell uh, that indicated to benedict oh romanus is here it's lunchtime (laughs) and then something happens again something happens unexpectedly the ancient enemy grew envious so who is the ancient enemy as you can imagine it's probably the devil it's the devil so as, as I was meditating on this whole scene, I was thinking, what about this ancient enemy? What does this mean that Gregory the Great names him the ancient enemy? And what, what actually happened at this moment? So I was thinking, who was throwing, throwing the stone? Who threw the stone? most of the people who read this passage would say, certainly it was the devil. The devil, he threw the stone. But I kept thinking, who threw the stone? The question is how we imagine the devil. If you imagine him like a a, a little man, kind of maybe with horns and Maybe he stinks a little bit and had yellow clothes. I don't know <laughs> how we imagine the devil. Hmm. Who threw the stone? And then finally I got the answer. Benedict threw the stone. He threw the stone. Why? Because he thought, I don't need this food anymore. I don't need anything anybody in my life anymore. Not even Romanus. I don't need any help. You know, the bell was the symbol of communication. A very tender way to indicate Romanus' coming. Romanus, this monk, respected the solitude of Benedict. He didn't want to interfere. He didn't want to invade. This is why he stood outside and lowered the basket and just rang the bell. So nothing against Romanos. But still, for Benedict, at that point, it was just too much. He, he thought, I don't need this help. I don't need father, I don't need mother, I don't need anything. God alone suffices. Mm, right, so, but you still should eat. Think about if Benedict would have stopped eating, he would have died mm-hmm. maybe this reminds you on the story when jesus was in the desert and was tempted by the devil oh why don't you eat the stones oh my goodness if jesus would have eaten the stones oh why don't you jump from the pinnacle of the temple jump down oh my goodness if jesus would have jumped he would have been dead this is what the devil wants he wants to see us dead he wants to kill us. So, again, it certainly was Benedict who threw the stone, motivated by the devil, because he had the illusion he could live without any connection to the world. Total solitude, total uh, detachment. And this is just not right. This is not what God really wanted him to do. That was inspired by the devil. Wonderfully, the monk Romanus, the experienced monk, continues to bring the bread. You know. He was not upset about this because he probably knew this is a stage Benedict has to go through. This is part of his novitiate. So what we learn here is that Benedict at this point had to become detached from the fixation of detachment. As a monk, you can become a little bit crazy. You think you don't need anybody. You can restrain from everything. <laughs> I remember, uh, maybe this is a legend, but uh, if so, it's a good one. Uh, I remember that it was told that one of the the monks in our monastery in the past, when he made his final profession, he thought there wouldn't be a need anymore to go to the restroom because he, he would be so holy, so, you know, mm. this is along the same lines. So mm. you don't have a need to eat, you don't have a need to, to release, you don't have a need uh, to visit with other people. No, God has created us in a different way. We, we, we remain to be needy, needy people. Our basic needs have to be covered and also our need for communication. Even if solitude is the main place for the monk, this is where he should be. You cannot be totally alone. You need other people. There at least has to be somebody like Romanus, who in a very careful way keeps the connection, keeps going the communication. If you cut off yourself from communication totally, you will die. But Benedict had to test this out. He had to go to the limits and and even beyond. And again, another point where he had to learn something on his journey. He was not as holy as we imagined, as you could imagine when you read the first sentences of this biography written by Gregory the Great. At that point, Benedict went too far. He wanted to cut off all connections with all the world. This would have been his death. And by the grace of God, God inspired this monk to continue to supply for Benedict.
0: We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages
2: glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace, behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always, so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of His loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world,
1: and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're
2: on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing
1: a positive review today.
0: We now return to the Holy Rule of Saint Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Vilde. Boy, there's a couple of really strong things there. I mean, immediately when you were Telling the story, in making the connection that it would be Benedict that would throw the rock, but through a temptation of the devil, it sounds so much like what happened in the garden, when the the Leviathan, essentially that that the serpent, said to enticed, well, certainly, go ahead and take this. You would be like God. You know, and so she took the one thing that she was not to touch. But mm-hmm. it, and so often, I've heard it said that that spirit ultimately that that first sin would be envy. It was envy that is the was the, the one that led to the downfall. And here, here is the spirit of envy that destroys that bell. And th- I mean that that in itself is very provocative.
1: Yes, it is. The temptation is to, to desire to become like God. As a monk, you can have this temptation. and I think as, as a Christian in general, and um, it's a dangerous thing, and you can only pray that you have people around you who, who confront you and help you to understand your limits and to learn humility.
0: Yeah, it would seem as though there was also a uh, tied with that the spirit of envy that there would have to be the anger and anger to such an extent that you would pick up a rock and throw it. It could have been all those things playing into that moment and tempting Benedict mm-hmm. that you know led to that explosion. Mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. um. But because of that, the faithfulness of Romanus, of just continuing to come, that in in having communication, in having communion, mm-hmm. it's about it's about that ultimately, isn't it? That that's what we're we are meant to be people of communion.
1: Yes, yes, very much so. Um, I'm still with this envy. We kind of envy God that He is God. And I think this is a specific temptation for religious and for people who, are, who want to be very close to God. This is a lesson for all people who are tempted to be extremists in religion. You can love God so much, so much, so much that you lose this fine border Where is God and where am I? And this is what St. Benedict has to learn at this point, that he is only a human being and that only by the grace of God he is full of God. He is only a fragile vessel, a limited vessel that receives the grace of God in the same way as he receives this Bucket with bread. This bread that is life-giving. And as you said, our deepest nature is communication and communion. In the same way as the Holy God in himself, as a Trinity, is communication and communion, he wants to extend this communion communication to us. The deepest way to experience this is the sacrament of the Eucharist. But even in any kind of nurturing gesture, in any kind of meal, we can experience this. And if we want to do too much of fasting, of restraining, um, if we become too radical in our spirituality, then um, this is a blasphemy, actually. So this again this story teaches us about not to be extremists not to be not to do too much in our spirituality there is a point when people are too holy too religious too spiritual you might think how can i be too holy yes there is a point where you can be too holy these are people you cannot they don't listen anymore they think they are like God. And this can happen to all of us. And it's very dangerous because when you think you are like God, you really lose track on this earth. And beside the fact that you, that is a blasphemy because only God is God, it can become dangerous for you. So what we need as a complement is community. This is why the monks finally live together and not only in a cave. Only very few are called to do this as hermits but most of the monks as Cenobites live together in community exactly to be Romanos for the other person to protect us from going astray in a too radical way in our spirituality
0: I think that is real key when you are speaking of uh, in essence a spiritual gluttony because and that, I would think, is an offshoot of envy as well because it no longer becomes about what God may want for me and coming to know him, but it's controlling, I want more, I want, and it becomes the ego, doesn't it? More so than the emptying of self and detaching.
1: Very much so. Exactly. It's only about me. Then not about God. Um, the Benedictine response to this is moderation. Nothing too much. Nothing in excess. So when you read the holy rule of St. Benedict, you have this. You should eat, but not too much. You can drink, but not too much. It's good to sleep, but not too much. Even it's good to pray, but not too much, because uh, St. Benedict uh, regulates, as you know, the times for prayer. So there's sometimes there have to be an end <laughs> in prayer, and then you should rather work, but you shouldn't work too much. You can do everything in excess, and this is not healthy, and this is not what God wants us to do
0: that he would experience this three year period at supiaco that. It was something that was particular for Benedict, so much so as a founder that it was an experience that he would not have as a part of the holy rule a normative process of uh, the spiritual experiences or exercises, as it were, for those who would come after him.
1: Absolutely, and this pertains for all the steps in his life. Think about detachment from his father and uh, the patrimony. Um, here he learned for his later life and, and he became able to later on teach his monks and his disciples what, it, what does it mean, spiritual fatherhood and to be detached from the earthly father, spiritual fatherhood. This is He learned to become a father at that point. The same with the maternal side, when he became detached from his nurse, um, he learned to be motherly <laughs> for his monks. He really takes care and nurtures his monks as an abbot later on the Monte Cassino. And as you said, this pertains to this scene as well. This kind of moderation he learned... Exactly at that point, uh, he learned that um, he should be careful not to uh, mistake himself for God. And when we look into church's history, we see that all divisions Mm -hmm. came because of this. Because people went too far in their spirituality, in their convictions. Uh, and then identified themselves with God and thought, this is what the church is supposed to be, should be. So if no no negotiation, no communication is more possible with the other members of the church, this means division, and this means to split the church. So I think uh, if you you haven't reached a maturity in this area, you are in danger— Uh, not to build up the church, but to split the church. Because you say, in a self-righteous way, this is what we have to do, this is what you should do. Hmm, How do I know? I should pray hard, and then I can gently and respectfully converse with the others, but I never should act like God, kind of owning the truth and imposing them on everybody. So this moderation, we should really also pertain to our own spirituality. That does not mean I would uh, uh, um, call here for becoming mediocre. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. It's a very radical journey that St. Benedict does. It's not mediocre at all. But again, in an extreme is not really radical. An extreme is still, you are still occupied with yourself, detached with yourself, detached with your ideas, and then we call it, this is an ideology, and that is not the true faith that the Church has taught us and Jesus wants um, to convey to us.
0: Other aspects of this particular experience?
1: I would like to share with you a verse of the rule of St. Benedict in chapter 4, Verses 42, 43, St. Benedict says, if you notice something good in yourself, give credit to God, not to yourself. But be certain that the evil you commit is always your own and yours to acknowledge. I must tell you, I hated this this sentence over, over years because I thought, what kind of Image of the human being is this. To contribute the good to God and the bad and the evil to myself? My goodness, that that is that is terrible, I thought. But as I continued to meditate on this sentence, I really found it is so true. It is so true. You should, when you find something good in yourself, you should contribute this to God. That was God's gift. If you find something evil. Don't blame the devil for it, (laughs) blame yourself for it, because it's your choice. We are talking about a mature faith at the moment. We must be aware of the fact there is only the reality of God, and there is my choice if I turn away from him or turn to him. It gives us the responsibility for our lives and for our freedom and for our faith
0: there are saints and and others in the in the church in the teachings of the church that i've seen that speaks of opening a door we make the choice to open the door particularly to the the spirit of 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 say the temptation or whatever it is that it, it it becomes ours because we've made the choice to allow that to come into our lives, maybe because of a uh, unwittingly, uh, because mm-hmm. of a brokenness, a pain, mm-hmm. a wound, or mm-hmm. something like that, but we've allowed it in, and then it wreaks havoc mm-hmm. in our lives. So, it, as you have taught us before, as, as far as fighting the demons, that the desert fathers had to realize that you have to be able to like christ in the desert that you have to name the spirit that is there and then use the word to vanquish it mm-hmm. is that make is is that what it, benedict is essentially going through then in, in this struggle in this time alone in supiaco
1: A- absolutely i think so and at this point he was not ready and not mature enough to see that he had let the devil into his heart. This is why he still needed Romanos. Later, there will be a point, and we will um, talk about this, when he really will be able to live by himself without a mentor, without a novice master. But at this point, he wasn't aware of his weakness as you said maybe because of he was vulnerable or he was just weak or not was just not attentive for any reason he let he would let get this devil in devil of envy and so on but um thanks to god that romanus was there and he saved him
0: thank you so much father mauritius
1: you're very welcome
0: You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World, with Father Mauritius Fildi. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can also hear it on the free Discerning Hearts app available on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Fildi.